Thank you very much, Corey North. It is so good to be here. I was out of Albany. I was uh, out of town for a, uh, <laughs> I was going to say a month, for a week. It felt like a month. Uh, on vacation with my family. And uh, what a great time I had with my wife and three kids. However, it is really good to be back here, back with my church family, and seeing your faces today. Happy 4th of July, again, right? Such a beautiful day to celebrate, right? Regardless of the weather, we can celebrate one more year of our nation's independence. Now, I have been a citizen for three years now. Three years ago, I became a citizen, and I, thank you. And for three years, I've been blessed being part of this great country. I remember the day when I became a citizen. It was May 11th of 2012. It was a Friday, and um, I attended this citizenship ceremony at Fort Edward, the, uh, the, the courthouse in Fort Edward. And it was a beautiful day. It was sunny. I was so proud and excited about that day and what was about to happen. I, I went to, to the court and my family came with me. Some, some peers and colleagues and friends came as well. And the, the, the courthouse was packed. There were about 80 of us who were becoming citizens that day. And we all had friends and family gathered in that uh, courthouse. It was packed. And I just remember being in that room and just having all these feelings of pride, of accomplishment, of being so part of something special, something that I had worked on and waited for for so long. Now, every year, Close to 700,000 people become citizens of this country. They come from all over the world, and they want to be part of this great nation. Now, I remember the judge who gave a, a splendid, a great uh, speech and talk about America and, and the sacrifices that many generations had to do in order to, to become a free nation and continue to be a thriving nation. He spoke about the, the responsibilities that we have as citizens, that we were going to have as new citizens of this great country. And I also remember the daughters of the American Revolution. There were these very nice, friendly ladies standing right in front of the judge. And they were all smiles. Every time they saw one of us, they just had this gentle look about them, and it was such a nice, warm welcome into this new family. And they gave us pins and a big smile and a big welcome as they called our names. The judge will call our name and we would uh, trade in our green card and we will get this certificate of citizenship signed by the President of the United States. Then a lady sang America the Beautiful, a cappella, and it was just beautiful. The whole court was filled with this sense of pride in this country and love from this country. And as I was sitting in that courthouse, 
being part of this ceremony, I started remembering and thinking about all the things that I had to do, all the time I had to wait, all the forms I had to fill to become a citizen. And all the requirements that one has to uh, have in order to become a citizen. Do you know there's actually six requirements to become an American citizen? The first one is that there needs to be a period of continuous residence and physical presence in the United States. Before you can become a citizen, you need to be a resident and actually be in this country for a few years. In my case, I had to be here for at least three years before I could become a citizen. Another requirement is an ability to read, write, and speak English. Thank goodness it doesn't say you need to lose your accent, right? <laughs> Otherwise, I would be in trouble. Another requirement is attachment to the principles of the United States Constitution. Another requirement is knowledge and understanding of U.S. history and government. I remember studying and reading the booklet that they give you, right, in preparation for the test. You get a test on um, uh, American history and government, right? So I had to learn all these facts. They actually give you the 100 questions in advance, right, and the answers. So if you are good memorizing things, you can memorize all 100 questions. But uh, when you go and take the test, they only ask you about 12 of those questions. And I aced that test. Yay. I'm so proud of that. Yes. Yes. I knew that there was an executive branch, a judiciary branch, and a legislative branch, right? Another requirement is to be someone of good moral character. And finally, favorable disposition towards the United States. I fulfilled all those requirements. I, I did everything I needed to do. And that day, I received my certificate of citizenship. Today, in this 4th of July, when we celebrate 239 years of America, I would like to share with you what it means to be a citizen of America, but more importantly, what it means to be a citizen of heaven, a citizen in the kingdom of God, and how that affects who we are as, an, as American citizens. I would like to go over what the Bible tells us to do and, and behave and how to, how to be good, responsible citizens in this country. And I also would like to talk to you what God is calling us to be and become as citizens of God's kingdom. So let us focus first in the fact that our citizenship, our true citizenship is in heaven. If you are a Christian, if you have surrendered to Christ, if you have invited our Lord Jesus to become your Savior and your Lord, you have been translated from darkness into light. You become now a child of God. You're adopted into the family of God. Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21, 
says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. We are citizens of heaven. Paul is writing this book, the book of Philippians, to the church in that city, in the town of Philippi. This town was in the middle of Greece. And there was something really special about the people who lived in Philippi. About a hundred years before this letter was written, there was a big battle fought in, in, in one of the Roman civil wars. And this battle was fought by the town of Philippi. It's known as the Battle of Philippi. And in this battle, the generals uh, Caesar Augustus and, and Mark Anthony defeated their enemies, Brutus and Cassius. And it was a turning point in Roman history. It laid the foundation to the coming empire and of Caesar Augustus as the new emperor. So in celebration of that huge victory and that huge battle, Caesar Augustus gave citizenship to uh, the soldiers who didn't have it and gave land to his soldiers as well. So the town of Philippi, in a sense, was refounded and it kind of became a Roman colony in the middle of Greece. So people in Philippi, in the times of Paul, they spoke Latin, not so much Greek, and they wore togas, not so much Greek garments, and the, the, the architecture, the culture was very Roman. So the people in Philippi understood very well what it meant to be a Roman citizen. Having the Roman citizenship was the highest privilege in that Roman world. It gave you so many uh, benefits and uh, rights that other non-citizens didn't have. So Philippi, in the middle of Greece, all those inhabitants of Philippi, even the believers, understood that they were special because they were Roman citizens, that they were in a way better than their Greek neighbors. So to them, Paul is saying, you are citizens of heaven, first and foremost. That means more than any other title or privilege that you may have in this temporal life. Our citizenship is in heaven. Peter, in Peter 2.9, 1 Peter 2.9 says that we are chosen people, royal priesthood. That we were chosen, handpicked. We are God's possession. And he translated us from darkness into light. We are citizens of heaven. Now, to become an American citizen, as I shared before, you need to meet certain requirements. You need to have certain attributes and characteristics. And some of them are similar to the attributes and characteristics of what it is to be a citizen of heaven, to be a citizen in the kingdom of God. For example, um, 
one of the attributes of becoming a citizen is to have a, an attachment to the U.S. Constitution, right? But in the case of a Christian citizen, our attachment is not to the Constitution, first and foremost, but it, it is to Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior. That is the very first characteristic of a citizen of heaven. We belong to Jesus. Another requirement or attribute of someone who wants to become a citizen in the United States is to have a, an understanding, knowledge of history and government. But as citizens of heaven, our knowledge and understanding is of Christ himself. A characteristic of a citizen of heaven is that we know our Lord. In Philippians 3, verse 10, Paul says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. I want to know Christ. Now, there's a difference between knowing someone and knowing about someone. Paul is talking about knowing Christ. In Spanish, the verb to know actually translates into two different verbs. Those who know Spanish can follow me for a second. Saber and conocer. Saber means to know, but to know facts, information about something or someone. But conocer, that implies intimacy. That implies really knowing who someone is. Having a relationship, having intimate information and knowledge of someone. We can know facts about somebody. We can know facts about our wife or friends or, or children. But that doesn't really mean that we know that person. For example, my son Ryan, he is seven now. A few months ago, he came back from school with a sheet of paper from the teacher. And it was actually homework for the parents. And we had to fill in all kinds of facts about our child. We needed to fill in what their favorite show was or toy or sport. A whole list of things that we needed to write. And I didn't know all of it, right? I didn't know what show was his favorite show at that moment. I didn't know exactly what was his favorite, favorite, most favorite toy. There were many things I didn't know about him. And yet, I know my son. I know him intimately. I know his likes and dislikes. I know his heart. I know my son. There's a difference between knowing and knowing about and as citizens of heaven, we are called to know our Lord Jesus Christ intimately. Another attribute of a uh, Christian as a citizen of heaven is um, to have Christ-like character. A requirement to be a citizen in America is to, be, to have good moral character. But 
to be a citizen of heaven, we need to take a step deeper. God is calling us to have a character that reflects Jesus Christ. God is calling us to, be, to have a life and a character that displays and grows in the fruit of the Spirit. That we display and grow and show love and joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And as we do that, we exalt and we glorify our Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. As citizens of heaven, we should be known as people who reflect Christ. People that decrease as Christ increases in our lives. And finally, a characteristic of an American citizen, or to become an American citizen, is to have a favorable disposition towards our country. In the case of, an Ameri- of a, a citizen of heaven, we should be characterized by having a favorable disposition to our eternal home, which is heaven, and not just our home here on earth. And a favorable disposition towards heaven involves a patient anticipation for the day when the Lord will come back and, and take us with them. As Philippians 3.21 says, the day when he will change our lowly body to be like his glorious body. I'm waiting in this hope of heaven, in this hope of his return, is more than just a test of endurance. It's a confident expectation of Jesus' return and our eventual resurrection into his life and resurrection from the dead. Now, we are called to be good and responsible citizens. We're As Christians, we are called to be good and responsible citizens. We are citizens in a way of two worlds. We are citizens in our case of America, but we are also citizens of heaven. And these two worlds should never be confused, right? As faithful citizens of heaven and of the kingdom of God, we, don't, we, we cannot confuse these two worlds, and yet our citizenship in heaven makes demands on our earthly citizenship and the way we as believers behave and act and live in our country, in our community, in our state, in our nation. And throughout the Bible, we have insights into how we ought to behave as good and responsible citizens of America or any country that you may uh, be part of. For example, God is calling us to give primary obedience to God. No matter what country you're in, if you're a Christian, your number one allegiance, faithfulness, should be 
to God. Our loyalty should be to our Father. We must exercise moral discernment as we partake of our political system. And we can develop, develop this moral discernment of knowing what is right, what is wrong, which way to lean as we mature in our relationship with Christ, as we become Christ-centered as disciples. In the book of Daniel, we see an example of this. We see Sadrach, Mesach, and Abednego, three Jewish young people, young men, that were noble people in, in Judah, but they were uprooted from their country and brought into Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. And they loved God. And as they were removed from their country, from their city, from their temple, they, they had committed themselves to remain pure and unpolluted in the middle of an ungodly nation. And even though they, they were hired to work for the government, to be, in a sense, counselors, government counselors for the king, they decided that no matter what, God was first. At this point, in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar had written a decree saying that everybody in the kingdom of Babylon had to worship and bow down before an idol. And Sadrach, Mesach, and Abednego refused to do it. So they were arrested and brought before the king. And this is what they said. They said to him, You as king have issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, and harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of God. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. At that point, but even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They refused to obey this law because their allegiance and their obedience was to God first. And they were willing to die for it. Now, this story ends in a good way. They were thrown into the fiery furnace, but they survived unharmed, untouched by the fires. It was a miracle. But God calls us to first have our loyalty to him. Something else that God calls us to do as good and responsible citizens, and this is one of my favorite things, right, is to pay taxes, right? To pay taxes. A cartoon approached the matter of paying taxes with this funny story. A Dutchman was explaining the red, white, and blue in the flag of the Netherlands. 
And he was explaining this to an American. And he says, our flag is symbolic of our taxes. We get red when we talk about them. We get white when we get our tax bill. And blue after we pay them. Well, the American nodded. And the American said, it's the same in the USA, only we see stars also. <laughs> but Jesus is clear when it comes to the subject of taxes. In Luke 20, verse 25, he says, Then give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And Romans 13, verse 17 says, Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. God calls us to pay our taxes as good and as responsible citizens in this world. Then he tells us to obey the law. To obey the law. Ideally, right, laws exist to preserve social order, to restrain evil, and to promote the general welfare of the nation. They are to be respected, they are to be followed and obeyed in the context of Christian responsibility. First Peter Chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to command those who do right. God calls us to obey the law. God also calls us to pray for public officials, to pray for public officials, for those in government, those in authority. The New Testament identifies public officials as representatives of God's authority, whose office is worthy of respect, and so are they. So we can honor and respect our public officials by praying for them. Like Paul says to Timothy in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2, the first two verses, he says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. So God clearly tells us to pray for those in public office, regardless of whether we like them or not, regardless if they belong or not to the party that we may be affiliated to, regardless of whether we voted for that person or not, whether we like him or not, whether we agree with them or not, God is calling us to pray for our town government, for our governor, for our assembly. He calls us to pray for our senators, our congressmen and women. He calls us to pray for our president, 
whether you agree with him or not. He calls us to, uh, to pray for our next president and the president that may come after that president. That's a commandment from the word of God. It is easy to pray for those we like or that we agree with. But call, God calls us to do more than that. God calls us to pray for all of our public officials. Finally, as good and responsible citizens, God calls us to support, preserve, and protect freedom. I believe that the best, personally, the best form of government is one in which personal and religious freedoms are protected. And one function of government should be to guarantee those personal and religious freedoms. So us as Christians, we should be vigilant in preserving our liberty and our freedoms. And part of protecting our form of government is to be actively involved and participate in our political system and to vote God is not calling us to be passive citizens. He wants us to be active citizens. But God is calling us more than just be good and responsible citizens here on earth. God is calling us to be catalytic citizens. We are called to be catalytic citizens. What does the word catalytic mean? What is a catalyst? Well, according to the dictionary, to the Webster Dictionary, a catalyst is a substance that enables a chemical reaction to proceed at a usually faster rate under different conditions than otherwise would be possible. It also describes a catalyst as a person or event that quickly causes change or action. Now, in high school, I loved chemistry, right? And doing those chemistry equations was one of my favorite things to do, right? How many of you can relate to that? One, two, all right. I loved it, but I didn't, love, I didn't love it so much that I went for chemistry in college, but I liked it in high school. And I loved this balancing the equations and what the catalyst would do to this element and that element when they combined and something else create what happened, right? God is calling us to be catalytic citizens, to be agents of change. Examples of uh, chemical catalysts, for example, is... Um, Hydrogen peroxide. Hydrogen peroxide will decompose into water and oxygen gas. Two molecules of hydrogen peroxide will produce two molecules of water and one of oxygen. Now, a catalyst of potassium permanganate, right? Are you ready for this? You mix hydrogen peroxide with water, oxygen, and potassium permanganate. This will cause that process to speed up a lot faster, and it will make the hydrogen peroxide react in a way that produces a lot of water, a lot of heat and water vapor. If you light a match 
in a room with hydrogen gas and oxygen gas, there will be an explosion. And most of the hydrogen and oxygen will combine to create water molecules. But as I said before, a catalyst is not just, a, a, not only has to do with chemistry, people can be catalysts as well. A person or event that quickly causes change or action. Famous catalysts, people who are catalysts, are matchmakers, right? They bring this person, that person, they get involved, and boom, a relationship. Matchmakers make great catalysts of people. Or if you think of sports, if you take the New York Giants <laughs> and Beckham Jr., you may end up with a Super Bowl, right? People who are agents of change. That is what God is calling us to do. Vance Havner, prominent preacher, pastor, and author, says, if you are a Christian, you are not a citizen of this world trying to get to heaven. You are a citizen of heaven making your way through this world. Matthew 5 Verses 13, 14, and 16. In this verse, Jesus calls us. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. He also says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. God is calling us to be the salt of this earth, to be the light of this world, to be agents of change, catalysts in this fallen world. How can we be catalysts? By realizing that the Spirit of God the ultimate agent of change and transformation lives in us. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to his church. In John 14, 26 says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate catalyst that we receive the moment that we become citizens of heaven. The Holy Spirit is in us. The presence of God is in us. Before Jesus' death, the presence of God resided in one physical spot, in the Holy of Holies, in the Temple of Jerusalem. It was where God's presence was and it was so holy that only the high priest who could enter that place and only after doing certain sacrifices and prayers. Otherwise, he would die on the spot. That's why it was called the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was. And it was covered by a 
huge curtain. But as Jesus was on the cross, as he expired, as he gave his last breath, as he died as a sacrifice for us, the scripture says that that curtain was torn apart, was torn in two from bottom to top. And that was God's way of saying, my presence is no longer limited to a place. My presence now can be in you, in your hearts, in your bodies. Paul, Paul says that we are the temple of God. Our bodies are the temple of God. And we carry the Holy Spirit with us everywhere we go. We carry God's presence everywhere we go. When we are at home, when we go to work, when we go to school, when we are with friends, with, with co-workers, with family, in every occasion, as we walk and enter into a room, so is God. So is His Holy Spirit. Imagine America. Imagine our nation that we are celebrating today. Imagine our nation if all of us, citizens of heaven, truly lived transformed lives and unleashed the power of the Holy Spirit in our community, in our families, in our homes. Imagine this beautiful country as the family of God steps up and allows God's character to be reflected through our lives. Imagine the power that would be unleashed as we continue to move towards a Christ-centered life, as we study and obey the teachings of Christ, as we share his love, compassion, and truth to others, as we pray on our knees for our nation. As a church, Grace Fellowship, we want to be also an agent of change in our community. We want to be catalytic in the capital region. We want to be relevant. We want to unleash the Holy Spirit into this place. And we are going to continue to do whatever it takes to share the message of the gospel and to touch as many lives as possible. So as we move forward as a church, there may be new ministries that we develop, certain ministries that we stop doing. We may even do things like changing the way the lobby looks, the way our services look like, because we want to be relevant. We want to be a catalytic church here in Albany. And we want to reach as many as possible with the gospel of Christ. And we don't want anything, even good ideas, to get on the way of God's plan for our community. So as we conclude the message tonight, will you come go back to that courthouse with me, the day that I was becoming a citizen. One of the things that was 
meditating on, as I heard a judge speak, was on the privilege of becoming an American citizen. And how many generations and so many Americans gave their lives and sacrificed so much to, to win uh, the freedom that we now enjoy. And I was humbled by that because here I am coming 236 years after this country became free and sovereign. Here I come in 2012 becoming a citizen and enjoying the fruit of the sacrifices of so many generations that I was asking myself, what do I have to offer? What do we have to offer to this great nation? And I tell you, as citizens of heaven, we can offer the presence of God, our prayers, and lives that reflect Christ to our community. Let us be catalytic citizens. Let's pray. Lord, in this 4th of July, we give you thanks for this nation. We give you thanks for living in a place where we can worship you freely. Where we can gather together and, and, and praise you and learn about you and even be able to share your truth to others. I pray, Lord, that your grace, your favor, your hand would be upon this nation. I pray, Lord, that you will move us, your church, to continue to bring your love and your presence to those who do not know you. Lord, will you help us to mature and grow as Christians? Will you help us to love and, and pray for our nation? Will you help us, Lord, to be good, responsible citizens? And would you help us to be catalytic in our nation? We love you and we praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.